Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. I have a special guest with me today, Scott Beebe. Scott is on the East Coast, and his main goal is to help small business owners and leaders uncover things they cannot see and to build actionable strategy to run their business with purpose. Scott and his family are in South Carolina, where Scott founded and leads the On Purpose Group LLC, where he provides business coaching, training, and strategy. Scott also is the host of the Business On Purpose podcast, so if you love what you hear from Scott today, go check that out and hear some of his insights. Scott, welcome. Brandon, thanks, man. From one former Oregonian to an existing (laughs) Oregonian. I'm excited about this. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's raining over here, so you're not missing out (laughs) on much. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to, Scott, give... If you could give the listeners uh, just a little snippet of what you do for for some of your clients before we jump into those questions. Yeah, if I were to break it down, Brandon, uh, it would be real easy. And and it all ties back to HR, frankly, a lot of it. Um, But I I really walk my clients who are typically small business owners under 25 million annual revenue and under 25 employees, although I have a few that are over that. Uh, And I, I, I take them through a I'll call it a journey. I call it four steps to business freedom. Uh, the first step is helping them articulate and define their vision and story, their mission statement, and then their core value set. Those are kind of the guardrails that keep them on the road towards their destination ultimately. And once we've got that established, we then move into uh, the realm of beginning to uh, articulate three different roadmaps. One is what I call an implementation roadmap. The second is a systems roadmap where we actually identify their systems in their business. The third is a delegation roadmap to figure out how we can offload a lot of that uh, to other people, either in-house or you know outsource that. Third thing we do is we we build out the organizational infrastructure uh, that is the kind of the structure to help take that vehicle to the destination. And then finally, we do the hard work of actually building out the processes um, so that they can start to scale and delegate to other people, again, internally or externally. I want to go back to, you mentioned mission, vision, values, all the purpose. I'm hearing so much of this nowadays, and I want to I want to get your perspective. Why, why do you think it's so important that small businesses in particular are really running their business with these these core values, these principles, everything clearly defined? Yeah, I'll, I'll come at this, Brandon, maybe from two angles. The first is more of a modern, localized angle, and the second is much more historic, ancient um, you know, angle. The first one, I think people ran business for so long, so haphazardly, that they would wake up when they were 45 or 55 or 65, and the, and the thought was, well, I'll just sell my business, and that'll be my nest egg. Well, when it went out on the open market, a lot of it was returned with, well, I, there's nothing really to buy. And if I buy something, I'm going to need you to stick around for five to eight years, you know, on an earnout or something like that. And then I'm going to have to pay you a salary you're not going to like because you started the business. And so what ended up happening is you may have had second generation folks 
not in every case, certainly, but second generation folks who came along and said, wow, I, I want to build a sellable asset uh, in my business. And not only that, I want to create margin. Uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, the the guys that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s right now, we've we've grown up looking at the the 50s, 60s, and 70s going, man, they never spent any time outside of work. And the time that they did, they were so caught up in work, they never really had time to to enjoy it. And uh, so we're wanting to create scale and margin. And let's face it, Brandon, if you don't know where you're going from a business standpoint, you're going to spend all of your time kind of spinning your wheels, which you know doesn't allow for much margin. And so I think people inherently, again, locally and, and, and from a modern perspective, have realized the power of articulating your destination and then setting course to get to that destination. Now, let's go back and look at it from the other angle. And that is more from the historic and ancient uh, perspective. Brandon, vision, mission, values is not a novel kind of Harvard, Harvard Business Review, Jim Collins, Peter Drucker concept. Uh, it's very much uh, a historical precedent. Uh, there was a, a Jewish prophet, his name was Habakkuk, and he was told uh, directly by God, if you go back and actually read Habakkuk in the Old Testament of the, uh, of the Christian Bible, you'll see this in Habakkuk 2, I believe it is, where God tells Habakkuk, write the vision down so that those who read it can run, and then be patient and wait for its appointed time to come. And it's such a powerful statement. And then there's another, uh, there's a, another proverb. It's actually Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, and then it comes in three versions. Where there is no vision, people become unhinged, or the chains break. The second yeah. version is, where there is no vision, people scatter, which makes sense, Brandon, because the chains have come unhinged. The third version is, where there is no vision, People die. And if you think about it and follow the logical progression, and I don't want to be overly morbid here, but you follow the progression, people become unhinged from you know boundaries, even though we don't want to admit we like boundaries. We do. We, we really do like boundaries. The second thing is when we don't have boundaries, we just kind of roam and scatter. And when you roam and scatter, you run out into the road and you end up <laughs> get run over by a car or something. And so the idea of vision is not really a novel theory. And I think it really is being reclaimed by a lot of people in, in the business context because we realize that there's ultimate value when we've got a vision of where we're trying to go. I'm a true believer that if you if you write down the mission, vision, value, you you build principles around the business and it gives the, the leaders of the company a clear path to take. And I also think that, that when you're actually going to bring in new employees that people come work for you, they they also appreciate those those values, those clearly defined values, because they, they are operating on the same principles. How, how have you seen really the growth of companies happen because they have those clearly stated mission, vision, values? Brandon, a lot of it has to come back down to the HR department. And I, I've been in global megacorps. I've seen it. And when you're not, not in HR, you know, a, a lot of folks outside of HR think that HR is the bane of the existence of the organization and the corporation because of a variety of reasons. But I believe that HR has got an incredibly powerful role in the embedding of the vision, mission, values from a cultural standpoint. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of businesses will spend thousands of dollars coming up with this articulated vision. And then what will happen is they'll be positioned in a beautiful binder and, and slides and, and all of that. And then it'll go sit on a shelf or on a hard drive for years and years. And when somebody like me says, hey, where are you guys trying to go as a business? Uh, you know, uh, they kind 
a falter and flail. Then I'll say, well, have you ever spent time working on a vision story? They go, oh, yeah, 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 we did that. We spent thousands on that, you know, a couple of years ago. And then I'll ask, well, where, where is it? Oh, it's, you know, in a binder on a shelf or it's on a hard drive. What, what was lacking was an implementation plan. So they did all the hard work of coming up with the destination, but they, they kind of fell short. And that falling short was in the actual implementation. And that's where HR can really be of great value. And what I have found as one of the most powerful vehicles for embedding the vision, mission, values into a culture, one is short-term, the other is long-term. HR really has an opportunity with the short-term, and that is in the onboarding of a, of a position, just as you've mentioned. The vision, the mission, and the value has got to be in the onboarding of any new team member. And again, this is a full-time or a 1099 contract. It doesn't matter. It's got to be in the onboarding. I've actually got two virtual assistants that are on our team, and we talk vision, mission, values all the time. And so not just in the onboarding, but also in the good old-fashioned weekly meeting. In fact, I just had our weekly meeting this morning, our team. We've got a team member in the Philippines, and we've got another one in Georgia here in the U.S. And we start each meeting with a big win, but we also start it with our mission and our values. So that way it embeds itself on a regular basis into the culture of our little organization organization, and it can certainly embed itself into much lar larger businesses. I'm sitting here smiling because I, I can imagine there's a lot of companies out there that do exactly that. They they build their mission, vision, values. They put it in a binder, set it on a shelf, or, or maybe they put it on the wall every once in a while. But how? what are some easy ways that employers really can sort of integrate that that messaging in all of their, their business and people practices? There's two quick ways I can think of right off the bat, and these would be really quick ones. The first one, and now I'm, I'm going into a couple assumptions here. So the first assumption is that the business has defined job roles uh, within, within the life of the business, whether it's you know down under an org chart or whatever. But within each job role, if you put the mission and the values at the top of every single job role, and the number one job of that employee for that role is to hold to the mission and the values of the business. And if that company begins to do their employee evaluations based on their job roles, which frankly I think is a very wise way to do it, because why would we evaluate it on anything else other than what's in the job role, right? And so you take that job role, put the mission and the values as in point number one. Your job as an employee of this business is to uphold the mission and the values of this business. So then the question becomes, and this is, this is kind of the second piece of low-hanging fruit for a business, is you want to take your weekly meeting, and whether it's the divisional weekly meeting or the leadership team meeting or whatever, and if you're not having one, by the way, you really need to consider having one, but it needs to be a very purposed meeting. No longer than an hour, no cell phones allowed, have a tight agenda that sticks the same every time. And the very first point of, it, of the agenda item for that meeting, Brandon, is a discussion around the mission and the values. Now, it's not just a simple rote reading of the mission and values, you know, repetition. Uh, although that would be better than nothing at all. What I prefer is to go back to your mission and ask your team, in what ways did you see us either implement our mission this past week or where did we fail to implement our mission? And then the follow-up, and this is the most fun, I've seen this work really well within small businesses, is where uh, the person leading the meeting will tell, let's take somebody by the name of Sue, We'll say, Sue, hey, next week you're going to be in charge of showing us how you saw 
somebody either in the business or outside of the business live out the core values of our business or not live out the core values of our business. And so that person comes prepared next week to talk about one of the values as they've seen it in real life. And that's really what you've got to be able to do with it. Vision, storing, mission, value set, all that's good in theory in the box, but we've got to get that stuff out in real life. And the only way we can really do that well is to tie it to real life stories that we see during the week. So number one, put it in the job roles and make each job uh, responsible for carrying out the mission and the values of the business. Second, embed it into your regular team meeting and talk about it before you talk about anything else. Scott, I want to transition a little bit to to the coaching side of the, the business. You work with a lot of small companies, small business leaders. When they come to you for coaching needs, what are what are some of the big issues that they're talking about that they need help with? So I've actually got objective data for you on, on this, Brandon. I, I, well, I know I like that's it. probably music to your ears <laughs> and to your, your folks' ears. Oh, yeah. I've actually done survey work to find out what are the biggest headaches. I've got two points of this, by the way. My podcast, number one, the Business on Purpose podcast, I ask every single person I have on, what is the biggest challenge? challenge you have in your business right now that is not currently solved. And I also did a, I actually typed up just a simple little Google form, sent it out uh, to a bunch of clients and uh, folks on my, my email newsletter list. And what I got back overwhelmingly, the number one headache is employees. And I hate to say it, God, it sounds so demeaning, but it's not meant to be. But here's why I think it's their number one headache, Brandon. I'm, I'm, I'm actually more sympathetic to the employee and more critical of the business owner. And I'm a business owner myself, so I feel like I can be that way. And here's why I'm a little bit more critical of the business owner is because a lot of times I feel like, uh, actually, I I heard a guy say this one time, Brandon, and, and this really boils it down. If you ever have an employee problem or an employee issue or headache, it's really going to be one of two issues. Number one, it's going to be a training problem. And if number one is solved, then you have a character problem. And that's really where you've got to uh, kind of you know, take action pretty quick. But the first is that training problem. And this is where I really want to put the onus on the business owner. If an employee is not living up to what you think the standard is, really the first question that has to be asked is, have I trained them well enough? And when I say that, Brandon, I I literally mean, have I walked step by step through training them? So let me go back again this morning to our own team meeting. I like to practice what I preach. And so we've got a new process. Uh, you and I both uh, host podcasts and you realize how, uh, how daunting the task can be to do editing and uploading yeah. and all of that. And so finally, after six months of having our virtual assistant, I was like, I'm getting rid of 70% of this process. And so I've got a little screen capture uh, software on my computer. I went through the process of, of editing the information in iTunes and then uploading it to my website. I hit record. I recorded that whole process. And j- just this morning, at the time of this recording, I have offloaded that process to my virtual assistant. Well, the beauty of it is I have literally walked her step by step by step. I've put it on a video tutorial. So if she ever has any questions about it, she can just hit rewind. can always reference it, yeah. That's exactly right. And she's got it on her on her, um, on her her Chrome browser right there as kind of a little cheat bar. So she can go to it at any time and, and get access to that. And it is a huge help to me, Brandon. That's going to save me somewhere between 30 to 60 minutes every single week. Well, the billable hour of a business owner is somewhere around 200 to 1000 bucks an hour, depending on what kind of business you're running, what the margins are. And so you can do the math 
on that, when I can outsource that to somebody else, that is huge. And so that's why I want to go back and say, hey, business owners, I want to plead with you. Over-process, over-train. You ought to spend the majority of your time training, 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 training. And unfortunately, when things go south, that's what we, that's what we kind of uh, cut back on in terms of budgeting. And I want to say do just the opposite. Double down on your, your training and start hiring people because it's going to be a whole lot more beneficial to you and your bottom line if you do that. That would have been probably the first area I'd go to as well is the training piece. It, it just seems pretty intuitive, but it's so odd that business leaders are putting more emphasis on it. I think it's just we're moving too fast and and, and don't want to to build systems around and around the training piece. Well, part of the brand is we don't know how to build systems around it because up until now, really all we had was paper and notebooks and we didn't know how to scale this. Um, and, and so now we've got Evernote and Google Drive. So, so what we have in front of us now is we went from a situation where we didn't know how to do this because we didn't have the tools to a situation now where we've got more tools than we literally know what to do with so we don't do anything at all. And so what I've decided to do is I actually found Google Drive as a great free platform. And I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to do Evernote. I'm not going to do Basecamp. I'm not going to do any of those. I'm going to go all in on Google Drive. And, and you don't have to do Google Drive. You can do whatever you want. But the point is, go all in on one. And so now let me walk you through the process. I literally, uh, for any business I work with, we develop what I call the org chart 2.0. And this is an org chart that's better than an org chart. It's like better than your grandfather's org chart. Because what we can do in Google Drive is we can build the org chart. We can then link every role to its specific job description within Google Drive. And then every line item of that role turns into a process. That all we do is link every one of those processes to the actual written or video process. So all you need as a business owner is your org chart. And once you get your org chart 2.0 put together, you can get everywhere in your business and make sure that everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. When you look at the, the people processes in general, what do you think are some of the biggest gaps besides training that could easily be streamlined from an HR perspective? I think the first largest gap is, you mentioned it just a minute ago, of uh, I think your phrase was something to the effect of, well, I, I just I don't know how to offload this. And so I'll just keep mm -hmm. doing it myself. Well, the question I ask my clients to ask themselves all the time is, this next thing I'm about to do, is this the last time that I could do this? And I want your answer to be yes. So whatever, let me just take something really simple. Bank deposits. All right, so taking something as simple as bank deposits, you don't need to, if you're the business owner, be doing bank deposits. And so the question you need to ask is, this next bank deposit the last bank deposit I could ever make? And what I mean by that is every step you do in that bank deposit, I want you to go write it down. And I want you to write it down in a format, either an Evernote or, or a Google Drive document or something like that, where somebody else can get access to that digitally. And I literally mean going step one, get in the car. Step two, turn the car on. Step three, <laughs> take the checks to the bank, et cetera. All the way down in, in, in steps that if somebody had never done that before, they would know exactly what to do. If you get it on a Google Doc, you'll have a link. And all you'll have to do is send that link to somebody else that you want to do that. And again, let me put this in numbers because I think this will really be really helpful, Brandon. Let's say, let's be conservative, that you as a business owner are worth 100 bucks an hour to your business. Every hour you take to go make de bank deposits is costing your business $100 an hour. 
Whereas you could hire somebody for 10 or 15 or $20 an hour to go do the exact same work and you'll be benefiting your bottom line somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 or 80 to 90 bucks an hour uh, when you do that. And the headache, you won't ever have to do it again. So it really sounds like it's getting the right work on the right desk, but also it's a, a training, communication, delegation. It sounds like all of those things really could help streamline a lot of what what you're doing as a company. Which goes back to your original point. It's got to start at the vision and you've got yeah. to know where you're going. If you know where you're going, now you have the freedom and the time to be able to begin identifying what systems exist in the business and then identifying the roles and the processes that can get that stuff off of your plate. And uh, we actually built a t tool called the what could you, I'm terrible at naming stuff by the way. We called it the what could you delegate tool. And it's a little simple little tool that helps business owners learn what in their current role they could delegate and offload. But the only way you can delegate it, and it's what you said just a minute ago, is to create those processes and then begin to hold people accountable. And so in our weekly meeting, we've got an action item sheet. It's on a, uh, it's on a Google spreadsheet. And, and uh, because public accountability is an amazing thing, we just open that thing up every week for our team meeting and we just walk right down the action item list. And sometimes I've done my uh, action items. Sometimes I haven't. I have to fess up to them. And, uh, but I'll tell you this, we have accomplished more in the last couple of months by using that one tiny little tool than we have in the last year. It's been amazing. Scott, where do you see some of the biggest opportunities for growing people in an organization? I mean, you alluded to the fact a little bit ago that a lot of business owners or leaders are saying employees are their big, biggest headache, but they can also help grow the company and, and, you know, produce more output based on the growth of those employees. What do you see as sort of the biggest uh, drivers for their growth? I just, I want to keep beating the drum back to vision, mission, values, and then training on processes. I think if we can, and, and I'll, I'll say this too, and I, I don't, I may get some rolled eyes for this just because, uh, you know, folks in the HR world hear this all the time. I'm a massive fan of objective profiling. I, I'm disc certified. It doesn't really matter yeah. what you use. I mean, you could use Berk, Berkman or we, we use disc as well. Okay. When you, this is what I tell guys all the time. When you go to hire somebody and you give them that job uh, role sheet, you've just given them a cheat sheet for what they're looking for. And so I, I hope that when they come for an interview, they, they knock it out of the park because you just told them everything to say. Where what I like to do is, is go ahead and give them the job role. That's fine. But then make them do some sort of objective personality profile, whether it be the disc. I'm a huge fan of the disc, by the way, because I think it's simplistic enough for everybody to be able to understand. But, but it's objective enough to where you can really do something with it. But you take the objective data of a disc and you take the subjective data of your eyeball test that you do in a live interview. That way you can put those two things together and come up with a real nice solution. So I really start at the hiring process as a huge opportunity to get the right people, as Jim Collins said, get the right people on the bus and get them in the right seat. I want to ask you about the mastermind group that it looks like you either started or maybe you've been involved in mastermind groups. I'm starting to hear this pop up a lot uh, for business leaders. And there's probably a lot of leaders out there that aren't even involved in mastermind groups. But may, why would it be a good idea for leaders to get involved for, from a growth perspective? You know, I, I didn't even tell you I was doing this. So it's interesting that you asked because um, I'm actually starting a second business on purpose mastermind group here in just a couple of weeks. And here's why is last year um, from, well, let, let me put it this way, from 2001 to 2013, 
actually before that, from 1998 to 2013, I've been involved in massive businesses, medium-sized businesses, and small nonprofits. And professional growth and all that stuff has been, has been good. It's been fun. It's been great. But at the end of the day, I've always had these dreams and never really had kind of the um, accountability to push through yeah. to those things. And so last year, fast forwarded to uh, February 27, 2015, and Brandon, for the first time in my life, I'd gotten laid off from my job. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a kind of a hostile takeover situation where I really didn't have any any say in the decision. It was a really tough deal. And I started my business, the Business on Purpose platform right after that. Well, I ended up hiring a coach and I spent more money, Brandon, than I ever thought I would spend in a lifetime on a coach. And I spent it in one month and because I, I, I needed to get this business off the ground. And I knew if I put my money there that my heart would follow it and we would jump all in. And so over a period of six months, I spent more money than I ever thought I'd spend on my own kids and gifts in a lifetime uh, on coaching. And through that process, and that was one-on-one coaching, and about halfway through that, my business coach was also hosting a mastermind group, and I'd heard so much about masterminds, and uh, from Dan Miller, and I read Napoleon Hill's book, and just heard everything, and got into the mastermind, and I can tell you without exception, I paid 350 bucks a month to be a part of this mastermind, and I can tell you without exception, it has likely 10x, maybe even 20x'd the investment of not only money, but time that I've put into it as well. And here's why. It's because when I show up to my mastermind, which I will here in about three and a half hours this afternoon, I'll show up to my mastermind. I've got 10 other guys on that call who are rock stars at what they do. And they're going to look at me in the eye, remembering exactly what I said I was going to do last week. And they're going to ask me again, did I get it done? And there's something motivating about that. But it's not only that, Brandon, it's also when I have a question about something, I go to my mastermind. Uh, I just recently had a question about some keyword search tools that I need to include in an online course that I've got coming up here in the next few weeks called How to Create a Family Vision. Those guys were on top of it, man. They helped me walk through that stuff. When I have uh, questions about hiring, firing, employees, tough situations, whatever it might be, I go straight to my mastermind and they help me through that. And so that's why we're creating the second one here in a couple of weeks. And it seems like uh, I don't know if it was early on in, in the mastermind group, but three fifty a month seems like a pretty low cost for what you're getting. I mean, you're, bounce, you're bouncing ideas off, you're asking questions to people who have probably been through it all before, and not only that, they're holding you accountable. I think that's the biggest the biggest thing is you need you need peers that could hold you accountable when you say you're going to do something. That's exactly right. Think about this, Brandon. If you want a business coach, if you want a good business coach worth their salt. You're going to pay a thousand, two thousand, three thousand bucks a month to have something like that. What you get in this is you not only get a a, a pretty good business coach uh, in the person who's facilitating the group. That's the person you're paying for the mastermind, but you also get these other business owners and and business leaders and organizational leaders around the table. And the way I run my masterminds is we every week we have a business spotlight. So about uh, about two thirds of the time is spent on one person and their business. So for instance, if you were a member of the mastermind. And we had 10 members in the group. Every 10th week, you would be in the business spotlight. And so what you have at that point, Brandon, is you've got nine business coaches sitting around the table. And they're all there for you. And that is a powerful tool. And you do it for a fraction of what it would cost. And so, uh, but yeah, we're starting. In fact, if anybody's interested, they could just go to uh, mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash mastermind. 
and sign up there. It is a very personal thing for me. I personally interview everybody before they go into one of our groups because I want to make sure the chemistry works out. And uh, our groups are only 250 bucks a month. So we actually have a little nice. discount off that. Who's usually involved uh, from an organizational like title standpoint? Is it only business owners or do you have groups based on the type of title they have or function? Right. I've got a mix actually of business owners and what I would classify as organizational leaders. Um, I do actually have one member who is uh, a bureaucrat from California who's looking to start his own business as well. So we do have a variety of folks and I, it helps to have a variety of folks just because it's good to get some perspective from a business owner's seat. It's good to get some perspective from an employee's seat. Uh, so there's really value in that. And this, this, uh, a group that's starting up here in a couple of weeks, uh, we've already got a guy who's looking to start a business. We've got a guy who is a linguistics and jujitsu teacher from Taipei, Taiwan. He's a Canadian guy, but he lives in Taiwan. Um, and then we've also got a denominational pastor, which is really going to be an interesting mix. Uh, and then a couple of business owners who are looking to come in as well. So that's, that's what we've got working up for this one. Scott, we're, we're running short on time, but there, there's one thing I wanted to ask you that I, that ran across on your website. Uh, you read about 25 books a year is what I I'd read. Mm -hmm. I want to, I'm a big reader myself. I want to get your perspective. And I know there's a lot of listeners of ours that they fall along in our, our book club that we, we have a podcast about it about every month. And we're, we're always reading. What are some of the, the big business books that you're reading nowadays that are just maybe just really insightful or, you know, one of those aha moments for you? The uh, one I'm a huge fan of right now, you may have never heard of this one, uh, by an uh, author named Atul Gawande. He's a uh, Indian, I think Indian born, uh, but of Harvard surgeon. And he wrote this book called The Checklist Manifesto. Brilliant book. If you, especially if you're a business or owner or, or lead a division of an organization, highly encourage you to read this. If you want to really engage systems and processes in the business, and what Atul Gawande talks about is really where checklist came from. And it doesn't sound very interesting, but you have got to read the stories. He tells a story about where the pilot's checklist came from, where the, um, the surgeon's checklist came from. It's a really fascinating book. And it will help you to begin to embed um, a lot of that in there. The other book uh, that I really want to highlight out from your way, uh, it's called Work the System. Um, have you ever read that book, Brandon? I haven't. No, I have heard of it though. Okay. Uh, man, fantastic book. It's from a guy, um, trying to remember the author. I want to say it's Sam Carpenter, but I can't remember if that's it or not. I'll look it up, but he ran, uh, or actually still owns a call center out in Eugene, Oregon. So just South of you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he tells the whole story about how he went. Yeah. It's Sam Carpenter worked the system about how he went from this fledgling call center he ran for 15 years and hated his life, uh, mm. ran this thing as a single dad, and finally decided, you know what, I, I've got to do something different, and decided to systematize and process his entire business, and it is an un unbelievable story into the back end of this call center and what he's been able to do. Now, he even says in the book, he makes more money than he can reasonably spend in a month. And the way he did it was through systematizing and processing the business. He didn't win the lottery. He did it through a lot of hard work and a lot of sweat. But he walks through exactly what he did. And in fact, that um, the uh, the bank deposit example I gave you came out of that book. So that's I highly recommend that one as well. It, did that come before or after Michael Gerber's book, The E Myth? You know, it I, sounds very very similar. Yeah. So E Myth, I think is is uh, I think Carpenter wrote this with 
in the last five to 10 years. So it would have been Ooh, after, okay. um, but my goodness, read both. I mean, I'm a huge E-Myth fan. Fantastic. Well, hey, Scott, I, I love having you on the podcast. I'd love to probably catch up with you again. Where could people find you? Are you on Twitter, your website, your podcast? Yeah, Maybe all over the social media those. stuff is good, um, but really just had two places from a, um, a website standpoint. The first is mybusinessonpurpose.com. And again, if you're interested in the mastermind, it's, it's the website forward slash mastermind. And then the second place is four steps to businessfreedom.com, all spelled out, four steps to businessfreedom.com. And I always have giveaway stuff on there. Right now, at the time of this recording, we've got the um, my 2016 strategic planning workbook, the exact workbook our team used to do all of our planning for 2016. I just put it up so anybody can get access to that. Um, and so that's on there. And then sometimes I even have a free, no strings attached, 30-minute coaching call for anybody who needs help uh, just kind of processing through vision, mission, value or systems and processes. And I know, again, at the time of this recording, that button's up there as well. So try to get over there. And if uh, if you're a business owner or an organizational leader and you need to have a half hour just coach, again, no strings attached. If we end up working together, great. If not, I, I just love getting on the phone and chatting with guys like you. Scott Beebe, thank you for joining the podcast. And thanks for all the resources too. Oh, just dropping, dropping knowledge left and right. Oh, Appreciate maybe that. so. That's great, Brandon. Hope it's helpful and thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.